Welcome to the Male Factor Infertility Podcast. Everything you need to know about Male Factor, but no one's telling you. Join a rogue doctor who's stepping outside of the mainstream medical model to share the best methods that address the most common Male Factor challenges. Most importantly, we'll cultivate the mindset and give you the tools you need to break through. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Adam Tice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Dr. Adam Tice here today. And today we're going to be talking about male factor infertility, everything you need to know, but nobody's telling you. So today's episode is super important. And we're going to be talking about mind-body connection and the, the connection that plays in the role of male factor. And toward the end of the session or during the session along the journey here, we're going to also talk about some of the solutions. So I kind of want to go through and talk about this connection that we have. I think most people are aware that the mind and the body is connected. And I'd like to just make the distinction between the mind and the brain the organ that sits on top of your head in your skull that secretes neurochemicals and neurohormones and serves as to hold the master computer, the quantum computing device that is our brains and our minds, which I would use that term more in the sense of the whole person, who you think of as you, not so much the chemical and the biochemical processes that constitute the biological life force, but the personality, the makeups, the tendencies, the likes, the dislikes, the traumas, the patterns, all the stuff that's bundled up, all your different personality types, and everybody has multiple personalities all bundled up, and we do our best integrated and to zip it all up, and we present it out to the world as a cohesive unit, hopefully, and nobody notices the little cracks and the little chinks along the way, and we keep that together, and then we put all that together when we go back home and sometimes those things slip and all of this stuff together, all of this is what I'm talking about is the mind, is the whole person. And this is this is the real experience. You know, and this plays a real role. The head game is for real. And, you know, the head game is a big deal. And this is one of those things that nobody taught us about this stuff growing up. Nobody taught us how to deal with stressful life situations and the suffering that we will encounter throughout our lives. And they didn't teach this stuff in school. And if you're lucky, you picked some of these methods up along the way. And, you know, you picked up a couple of tools to put in your toolbox and help you cope and deal and digest life so that ultimately we can be happy and healthy and creative and these kinds of things and be better people and create more and be more prosperous so we can do more and share more and really create a better world. And that's the kind of angle that I come at it. You know, I think that's super important to know about. We need to understand ourselves as these cohesive, you know, all these parts need to be cohesively kind of put together and held together. And this is a big deal. So, you know, I think there's a lot of information out there. There's a bunch of teachers out there for this kind of thing. So I wanted to just take one, at least some of our episode time here and some of our time together and talk about this because I think this is super important, if not the most important thing, you know, and this is where I'm going to lean on, you know, part of my background is deeply rooted in the science of life, which is also known as Ayurveda from the 
Eastern Indian school of thought and these treatises, these texts, these understandings, this knowledge that is thousands of years old. There's nothing new here. And I've said that before. I didn't make this stuff up. There's nothing new here. I'm not the first person to talk about this stuff and we won't be the last, but we got to bring it up and talk about it because I think Gosh, it's hard to even tell, you know, is this a normal thing? Is meditation and the mind science uh, completely normalized? You guys give me some feedback in the comments for the pod here and let me know. Do you have a meditation practice? Is this something that's new to you? Are you guys interested in this? Because I have found in my 12 years in the clinic, and that's pretty much where the pod's coming from and coming out of is in my 12 years in you know, my clinic and the things that you learn along the way, the mistakes that you make, you learn these things, you see what work in actual practice and actual real life. And there's a big difference between the textbook answer, you know, that we might get in just a sort of a black and white office visit kind of an answer would be, well, sir, you need to really reduce the stress in your life. It's like, well, thanks. Okay. But you know, how do we go about doing that? You know, the neurochemistry is real. The epigenetics are real. The hormones are real. These systems in the body, they respond to the thoughts in our mind, in those mind fields, the neurochemistry and the blood chemistry even actually. And there are some really interesting um, studies that have been done on this. And I think Gosh, so much research that's come out of this field in the last 20, 30, 40 years. And it's really so much to keep up with. But, you know, it's coming out more and more and more. Numerous books have been written about this, these kinds of things. I think the interest is there because there is a kind of awakening process that is happening more and more and more. And I think that we are truly waking up as a species. And that's partly the sort of a lens that I see things through it, that these mind fields we're going through our process of awakening. And I think this cognition about how our thoughts and then as those get energized and we have certain emotions and feelings and all of this is colored all together, super, you know, really uniquely and personalized way to create your neurochemical epigenetic hormonal readout that is you right now. As your mind exists, as you exist, as you know yourself. And the intention here is to integrate all these scattered parts of ourselves that tell us that we're not good enough or that we're not worthy enough or maybe that or whatever the story is, you know, we want to integrate that. We need to heal that. We need to heal the traumas that we've had in our life, because if we don't, they will shade our thinking. And ultimately, this will contribute to the thought process, which then ultimately is going to create, again, that neurochemical, epigenetic, hormonal, live, real-time printout, which is you right now. And that level of radical self-responsibility is that's the level that I'm really interested in, really. And so I like to go down to the heart of matters, to the root of matters. So this is a big deal, understanding this. And again, the technical part of this, I think it's good to talk about this part of it because the blood chemistry responding to the minefields and the you know research that the people like HeartMath have done to see how the electromagnetic 
field of the heart, how that begins to synchronize and harmonize with the electrical activities, with the brain and with the rest of the biology. And a super interesting research done by Dr. Masuro Emoto, who showed that our thoughts, emotions, and feelings actually exert an impact on the crystalline structures of inside of our bodies because we're basically a little neurochemical hormonal explosion happening. That's what we're talking about. So we want to harmonize that so we can be more fertile. And in this case, we're talking about actually creating healthy sperm and creating and propagating the species and moving humanity forward. And it's really 90 days to better sperm. So at least that, if you're in that window of conception, maybe this is brand new. If this is, you know, it's good to start thinking about this and cleaning up your inner environment, your thought, the environment of your thoughts and begin to establish a connection or deepen the connection that you have with what you know as yourself, with your connection to God and building a bridge to that and embodying the divine and bringing the God seed into man and integrating that. That is the intention that we enliven the system so that the one can become many. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, this is the kind of work where we do this work. We have to do this work because welcome to earth. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be stuff that happens that seems to be out of our control. So better to take hold of and take responsibility now for what's visibly and knowingly under our control. That's what we can control. And then the things that appear to be out of our control even begin to influence and shift those things when we begin to take this radical responsibility for our biology and our neurochemistry and our mind fields and the internal environment that we're trying to till that soil and create fertile soil within our own minds, within our hearts and within our biology and within our very essence. And we have to do this work and never mind the fruits of the labor. This is what's been said in all of the sacred texts by all the mystics and all the masters and all the saints and all the sages and all the learned and wise beings that have come before us. They say, do the work, do the good work, connect with yourself, know thyself, connect with God know God, bring the God seed into the human form so that that spirit might dwell and abide within us. This is what we're talking about is making this connection and never mind the fruits of that. We just do the work. We do what we think is the next right thing to create a better world and a better consciousness and better biology. And in this case, better blood, better nutrition, better sperm quality means better counts, better motility, more viable, all these kinds of things. And if we track it all, all the way back down, we end up in this minefield, whole person territory where we're taking this responsibility and polishing out these little spots because, you know, we have to find a way to complete 
with and to be complete and to harmonize with the challenges and the sufferings and the different traumas that happen in our life because it's a bumpy ride out there. And this is something that needs to be tended to. Otherwise, we become fragmented psychologically. And then what ends up happening is your wife just looks at maybe the garbage that you forgot to take out. And then the next thing you know, just exploding and yelling in the middle of the kitchen and nothing even really happened except one of our patterns got touched by something that may going on in the home. And then next thing you know, there's a temper tantrum or we're just finding some emotion, some anger, some sadness, some something coming up. And as guys, we'll just stuff that down and suppress it and deal with that later. You know, however this goes, you get the point. You get there's a fragmentation that happens along the way. And we got to take responsibility for this and establish this connection. Do the good work. Never mind the fruits of the labor. And ultimately, the acceptance of whatever the outcome is and the real honest truth is and what the data appears to show is that the fertility rates are declining at an unprecedented pace and that it does not seem to be getting any better out there in that department. Now, that's what we're turning around. That's partly what the mission here is is to do is to turn that around. And part of the reason that we've started the Mayo Factor Project here is because I want to help 1 million people who are struggling with this male factor infertility and unexplained, undefined infertility issues, I want to help those people create and restore and conceive naturally. And what I'm doing is taking the principles and the lessons that I've learned in 12 years of being a doc in the clinic and doing this stuff in real life and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And then we're going to try and bring those. That's really kind of the whole point of the pod is to bring that knowledge out of the clinic, bring it into the pod, you know, where we can hopefully, certainly, potentially reach these 1 million people at least that I want to engage here in this process of creating the fertility that we need in the consciousness to create conscious, healthy, happy beings to move forward and inherit this earth. That's the level I'm working at now. Is that a little like grandiose or mystical? I don't know. That's just how I roll. But, you know, the role that karma plays in here, that dharma and that purpose, what is your purpose here? And being purpose driven, you know, is it to be a householder and to have a family and to raise a family? Certainly here, that's my hope and my prayer and a main part of the mission. But the reality of it is, is not everyone is going to be moving forward in that exact way. And we have to be at least prepared mentally, psychologically emotionally to accept and digest and deal with whatever the outcome is. Whatever the outcome is, we never mind the fruits of our labors. Never mind we have no attachment to the outcome. And I think that's a good, healthy place to be. You keep your mind locked and focused and connecting with those things that keep you inspired and purpose-driven. But the truth is, sometimes God has hidden reasons. Sometimes the universe does mystical things that have absolutely no apparent reason. Even when on the outside, everything is textbook perfect. Everything looks great. All the numbers should be good. All the numbers look good. And it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. 
And then again, on the other side, you have people that seemingly don't follow any of the rules or do any of the right stuff. And then boom, there it is. The outcome and the fertility is there or, or, you know, because that's the context of our conversation here. But you get the point. We don't worry about the fruits of those labors and we prepare and we move forward. And ultimately, this is about universal timing and God's plan. I think there is not a predestiny that's there. We can certainly participate in that. And free will is the big part of that. And that's the part I think that we have every day. And I think that's where we meet right now. Each man, each woman has a God-given amount of consciousness, a God-given amount of energy to take responsibility and to make the things, make the changes and do the things that are only good things will happen when we take this kind of responsibility for our mind and our body and our thoughts and the chemistry that's happening in our minds and in our bodies. This is really what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about when we're working on the mind-body level. And so this is the level of the mind, is of working in these different levels. And then, yes, it does eventually manifest into the chemistry, the blood chemistry of the body. So can we just like think our way into this thing? No. That does, it's not that oversimplification of the whole thing. Am I just saying like, oh, think good thoughts and it'll be okay? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... You can't sometime in the clinic, what we see a lot of times and what I'm assessing with different, you know, when, when I'm doing a workup or an evaluation, I'm looking at the difference between functional and organic. And let me explain what I mean by that. Functional means that there's just some abnormality that has been found in the blood or in some sort of a, an assessment analysis. And there's some abnormality, but there is no known pathology that is going on, or there is a a mild early stage pathology going on, okay? And that's where you'll start to see the functional change there. Now that's compared to an organic change. And what I mean by an organic change is, is there a change either due to either from birth or from pathology or from trauma or otherwise, is there a change to the God-given anatomy, to the anatomy that for some reason alters the physiology and that alters the natural biological processes? Is there something going on there where the anatomy has been changed? Because that you can't necessarily think your way out of that. Okay. That might be another level where we have to, there may be some hidden reasons there. There may be some work there that we need to do to help to honor that experience and heal that and digest that into our being so that we can move forward and assimilate that information and move forward and elevate ourselves and integrate ourselves even more. But if it's functional, that's where we can work. Functional is the domain of the unexplained male factor fertility. And that's actually where I like things to be. That's the best place to be. And that's where a lot of times the reproductive folks, they will it's more of a kind of a wait and watch kind of a thing. Not too much proactive to be done. And certainly I don't think the deep dive into the mental contribution, that's an oversimplification of what we're talking about here, but really the quantum neuro immunological, hormonal, chemical contribution that this whole thing has, you know, that the whole system has, the role that that plays can be discounted. I think it certainly needs attention needs to be paid to it. That's what we're doing today is talking about that. 
and working through that. Now, some of the things, that's the background information about this whole thing. And the solution part of it is, and I want to introduce some of these solutions. And again, if we've some of this might be new. Some of it may, we may be reminded, but we all need to be reminded of this stuff, of these tools that we have. And some of my favorite tools, my top four favorite tools for as mind body instruments and as mind body really these are techniques but i think of them as like more like technologies really are meditation technologies and there are an infinite number of methods strategies modalities of meditation and again this is where i would lean into the the vedic sciences and the yogic sciences and the system and the sciences of life known as ayurveda and look into the different methods that are there because there are and literally an infinite number of methods and techniques and partly what this is in the individualized work it's a little more of a generalized overview now but what you really want to find is you want to find a technique that's going to click with you if something seems silly to you or it's ridiculous you're not going to do it you're not going to stick with it it's just silly ridiculous and maybe we can try it again later someday or maybe reintroduce it again someday. So, you know, I think if there's some type of a meditation practice, you know, I personally love using sound as a meditation, the science of sound and using certain tones and certain frequencies and certain instruments and these kinds of things as a means to harness the mind and to bring the mind into a state of oneness and harmony, even if that is a temporary place that the mind goes. And that's how these mind sciences go. In the beginning, when we begin to practice uh, harnessing our thoughts, noticing our thoughts, harnessing our thoughts, but not in a forceful way, in a very gentle sort of curious way, just navigating that there are levels that we will go through. And this alone, we could do a whole pod on the different levels and the different dimensions of the different types of meditation. But the point that I want to make right now is that there is a meditation type uh, for every type of person. Every We all have our different personality types and the different kind of ways that we learn, the, the ways that we integrate things. And for some people, sound is really good. Some people, a guided sort of a, a journey where there are verbal cues that are given and the power of the auto-suggestion and the mind is highly suggestible and opening the mind up to the higher possibilities in a kind of a guided way. That is a great way. You know, visualization, using the inner eye, you know, awakening the third eye and the inner vision, you know, using uh, some of the visualization techniques. Those are really good. Sound, again, is one of my all-time favorites because it really works quickly. And that's what I found is probably one of the best introductory methods, sound and breath. Sound and breath are going to be probably the all-time top two kind of ones that people really can click with and, and get some kind of experience because otherwise it's just me telling you about something or somebody else telling you about something or some book telling you about something, about how great something is. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's great, great, great. But what's it going to do for me? How can it make me a better man? How can it make me a better dad? How can it make me a better person? 
How can it make me, you know, healthier? How can it make me more creative? How can it make me more peaceful and compassionate and more of a whole being so that I am an integrated being? That's really what's going on. And that's really the deeper level of what's going on here. And the fertility path is just the path we're treading to get here. Breathing practices and sound for sure, hands down. Sound, you know, to give one technique is what's called Mahamantra meditation. This is a Tibetan practice. They use in parts of India and I'm sure other places too. But what you do here is this just intense humming. So you use the power. So you might set a timer for like 11 minutes and then you sit that, close the eyes, sit in a comfortable position and you hum as deep, as loud, as long as you can for 11 minutes. And you don't worry about the time or anything. That's why we set the timer. And as the thoughts come in or things are happening in the mind, you just allow it to melt and mix in with the sound. And you put all of your attention, energy, focus on the sound, the sound of your own voice moving through your body, vibrating your bones and vibrating your blood, and then just breathing. Okay. Breathing is the other technique. That's the original meditation, the life breath, paying attention to the in-breath and the out-breath. And again, the science of the breath, the science of breath as medicine is a highly, highly sophisticated science, highly sophisticated. The science of pranayama and swara yoga, highly sophisticated, highly refined over thousands of years. But where do we start there? We start with even paying attention to the incoming breath and the outgoing breath. And we start to pay attention that we're using our full breathing apparatus because the mind is connected to the breath. And incidentally, this is one thing that happens along the way when we're using the sound as meditation also, the breathing naturally becomes elongated by that. So it's an indirect way, really a breathing technique to begin to elongate the exhalation. And when we begin to elongate the exhalation, we begin to balance out the inhalation and the exhalation first. And then gradually as the body relaxes, the exhalation becomes extended just a little, not in a forceful way or anything, just really gentle, really curious, really soft, subtle, gradual kind of a way. But what happens is when the exhalation is extended, the mind starts to calm down. The thoughts per second start to slow down. The mind starts to slow down. You can start to observe all the stuff that's rattling around and bouncing around in your head all the different thoughts. And what you'll start to see is there's usually kind of a cycle that it's on. And then that cycle that's repeated most frequently will become your neurochemical, epigenetic, hormonal, biological readout. That's the connection between mind-body. The breath and the biology is connected and we just call it mind-body. That's what we need to know to bring life into our life, to bring life into our life, to invite life into our life. We do these practices. And again, we never mind the fruits of the labor. We just do the practice because only good things happen. Our biology only will change the male factor in that deep level. Male factor will become nourished. The male essence will become nourished by these practices. And these are the kind of practices that we talk about. And this is the kind of stuff that's really actually effective in getting results. So that's what I've seen kind of working. And I think that's a good place to pause right here. And, you know, let's practice some of this stuff. So if you have a practice, a mind, body, a meditation practice, and you're actively doing that, awesome. Double down on it. Keep it up. 
if you have in the past tried and maybe on again, off again kind of thing, hey, fire it back up because we need to be reminded every single day, welcome to earth. We have to bathe our mind. We have to cleanse our mind just like we bathe our bodies. We got to do this every single day that we're here. Welcome to earth. It's a hot ticket. Life is precious. And this is how we tend the garden. This is the male factor. This is what we're talking about. This is a fertile life. This is bringing life to life. Okay, guys, I'll see you guys next Next week on the next pod. Have a great week wherever you are. Adios for now, Dr. Adam Tice. We'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it useful. If you want to stay in touch, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. You can follow me on Instagram at Mayo Factor Infertility with Dr. Adam Tice. And for more information, you can also visit the website, mayofactorinfertility.org, and you can find out more about the fertility practice and the clinic side of things. Uh, there's links for everything in the description. And of course, be sure to tune in to next week's episode.